There we go. I always test my batteries. They're a nine volt that go with this microphone. And uh, I take it out, and I take it, and I put it on the end of my tongue. And if it zaps me, I know it's good. Well, you know what? It zapped me. So I knew it was good. <laughs> anyway, silly. Let's see here. I should turn this on too. Let's go. Amen. Well, I knew Jimmy was going to try to make it last week. I think it was. And uh, he told Pastor Ken that he was coming. And he wanted to give a testimony because God did something. Any is one one of the leaders here that who's the next in line? Where is he? Who? One passing it off to the other? One of y'all come get that microphone on, would you? Come up here, one of you guys. One of the leaders. Ron or Austin or Bobby or Billy Joe. <laughs> I know what he wanted to tell us, so I'll let you tell it. But the last time y'all were here, I had y'all come up, two of the leaders, and I laid yeah. hands on you, blessed you, yeah. gave you a word. And then I gave him a quick word, yeah. and it was about, tell him what it was about. About a band, a, a very large band, <laughs> and then within a day or two, the van. And it looks like one of those airport delivery it does, vans. It does, it does, yes. Where you get like yes, 24 sir. people on it or I something? I believe 25, yes. 25? Uh, that's correct, yes. How many guys you got? Right now we have 15. Okay, so it's big enough. It is. But you know what? Your ministry is going to grow because I told you you were going to have three vans. Yes, sir. Yes, we did. And one right after the other. So when you need another one, then it's going to come. Yes, sir. <laughs> I believe that. How many can you hold in the facility? 20? Yes, sir. Well, you need more facility then, Correct. don't you? Yes, yes, we will. If we put two more vans, then yes, we'll Man, need I'm going to have to tap facility. in again and see what the Lord would tell That would be great, yes. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to testify about? I'm not. The Lord has been good to me. I have my youngest son here with me tonight in service. Amen. Um, just a, a little while ago, my, my oldest son um, gave his heart to the Lord and was baptized with my granddaughter, and that was just a few wow. weeks ago. So the God is, you know, God is working a lot in my life. Yes. And I get to watch all these guys and what God's doing in their lives. Amen. It's great, isn't it? Yes, sir. All right. I guess that's all we need. Thank you. Okay. Well, we're not going to keep talking about the Ecclesia tonight, although we are, but it's not part of that series. Oh, by the way, it's also good to have Dave and Mary Ponsus. Did I say that right? Here. And her aunt. And I know your last name is James. I forgot your first name. Frida. That's right. She told me not to call her Fred. Frida. Anyway, it's great to have you all here tonight. Uh, he called, I don't even know how long ago, maybe two months ago or so. And... Uh, he had been out at the conference, they had been out at the conference, the Global Awakening Prophetic Conference out in Virginia, when Zach graduated with his master's degree of divinity. And uh, 
I, you, you saw something about him in our church because of Dr. Connie Dawson being with us for the women's conference. So uh, then they started tapping in, called us, and they have a burden to move here. And we're so happy about that. And they're looking to sell their business, their home, and then move here. They're looking for a house now with some land. Is how, how big do you need it? Okay, about 10 acres with how many bedrooms? At least three. Well, Sister Virginia, before I get to preaching, why don't we have them come up here? Come on. And uh, I want Sister Virginia to come here with me. Pastor Ken, if you get something, that's fine too. But uh, she's a prophetess in the house. And they have a ministry called God's Powerhouse that they do. After we have church on Sunday morning, they go have dinner, and then they have church on Sunday afternoon at, at their place. They're building a new facility and everything. It's going to be awesome. But she's been with me since before I moved here. I mean, they were coming. I used to come up to the radio station, and I would hold services twice a month on Thursday and Friday night. And she'd bring her mother. And she's gone on to be with the Lord. She was quite a character. But uh, anyway, she's ministered with us in the ministry a long time. She leads the women's ministry, and she hosts the women's conference at Dr. Dawson. We hosted it, and she led it. How about that? But... Uh, that's her burden, and I, I'm very happy about that. But uh, stretch your hand this way. We just pray for this wonderful couple tonight. We thank you that they have a burden for ministry, for the gifts of the Spirit, for the Word of God, and that they really love the Global Awakening Connection, and they, they're going to just love Zach, too. He's just tremendous. And we just pray, Lord, that you would direct their steps, that they would know exactly when they find it what house they need to have, land, and what to do about their business and home. And we say, Lord, sell that house. Sell that business. You have a buyer ready for them in the name of Jesus. And, and even, I believe, they'll, they'll give more than you're asking in the name of Jesus and that there will be a demand for your place and for that business in Jesus' name. And Sister Virginia, whatever you feel, let go ahead and share with them if you've got something in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Um, the Lord's impressed on me that he is bringing people into the area. I work uh, for Century 21 here. And they closed just the last day or two. A couple are coming from Wyoming, and we're seeing that uh, people, the Lord's just bringing them to this area. But the Lord says that, uh, thank you, Lord, hallelujah. He said Missouri's going to be the state of the glory. And he's drawing people. He's positioning people. And it's like, almost like Abraham. He's saying, leave. Leave your 
your home, leave whatever you had and come to a different place. And God says, I have things in store for you because I choose to bless you. And he says, when you come under an area that the anointing of God is getting stronger and stronger and stronger, the Lord says, in your ministry, and we all have one, whether we're preachers or not, we are to have a ministry when we belong to the Lord. But the Lord says, you're going to see things come to pass that you've never seen before. Because we're coming into that season of the signs and miracles and wonders. And the great, not just a revival, but a, re, a what do I want to say? An awakening. God is wakening up. He's waking up his people. Mm-hmm. He's shaking them out of their stupor. And, and he's causing them to rise up. And the Lord says, as my people come and rise up in one mind and one accord, there's nothing that can't be accomplished. And so the Lord says, I'm putting it in the hearts of people to come here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because you'll fill a niche. You know, we each have our niches in the spirit and in the in ministry. And the Lord says, you will fill a niche. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because the church is to be a complete thing. The Lord said, no longer will it be a one-man show. But it will be the believers working together the kingdom, not to build their kingdom, but to build the kingdom of God. And as that happens, the Lord says, you're going to see people saved you thought would never be saved. The Lord says, the families are going to come in. Mm-hmm. Even even those that have been prodigals a long time, God says, are coming in. Yes. And you will be a part of that. Hallelujah. Of changing lives. Because God says, I called you, and I've already equipped you. But he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit in a mightier way upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Yes. The Lord says, you have giftings that you know not of, but he's going to stir it up. He's going to stir it up. He's going to bring them to the surface. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord says, I, I desire to bless you above anything that you've ever been blessed. And he says, you never give up anything for what I don't replace it with something better. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Bless you. Just take my right hand and put yours on his. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray that stirring up of the gifts within them just becomes like a fire shut up in their bones. God just have their bellies just be full and filled up with the Holy Spirit's glory. And Lord, we just release them to come and to be a part of a great move of God that is going to happen here in this region.
and that will go to all the world and that they'll be here at the right time, at the right place with the right people using their talents and gifts for your kingdom. And we thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. And there's something about three, I don't know, I, I heard at first three months that you, it would, your stuff would sell, you know, up there. I don't know if it would be your business first or your home first because you need your business to sell before you have to move out. <laughs> but uh, I just agree with you that maybe three months you're going to see something very significant. And it's going to be much more than what you'd ask for your home. So don't, don't, you know, don't shoot too low. Amen? All right, we're glad you're here. And now I better act like I'm preaching. All these people are here to hear something. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the Lord and not somebody else? Well, I'm starting a series on inner healing. Uh, I pray for a lot of people that are sick and see quite a few healings and miracles. Just got back from Foley, Alabama. And it's funny, we have more Spanish churches connected to me than English churches uh, across the United States. And then, of course, in Mexico, we have many. So, But uh, I preached in the, a Spanish church uh, on Saturday night, and then I wasn't supposed to be there on Sunday morning. I was actually going down there to troubleshoot to help a church that was in a crisis but before I could get down there, they shut the church down. And so half the people were leaders that didn't believe they should stay at church, so they had the authority, they shut it down. The other half were people that loved the move of God and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I just went, I told Brad, our missionary down there, uh, I said, well, I know the Lord wants me to come, so I'm coming. And so on Saturday night, we had so many healings happen. The pastor turned as he was dismissing and said, Can you come tomorrow morning? Because he wasn't going to have me. I had never met this young man. He's Cuban, from Cuba, and had come directly to the United States probably a couple years ago. He had been in and out about six or seven times. But we just really connected. And now they're reconnecting with us again. And... Uh, he is, uh, he's just thrilled. But we had many healings happen there. And I, I, I'm not going to get in telling you all those right now. But then after the Sunday morning service, because I prayed for the families, and I mean they were all over front and, and prophesied the word of the Lord over them. Then Sunday afternoon I went to a home where they hosted the half that wanted the move of God from that church. So I ended up ministering three times in 18 hours and, and prayed for, I don't know, 200 people maybe. And it uh, was significant because one of the ladies there was from Guatemala. She was a doctor, a holistic doctor, and she had cancer around her right eye. And so I said, well, I've seen over 25 blind people healed in the last 20 years. I believe that whatever about that eye, God can heal it. And so I put my hand on it and said, you know, the Bible doesn't even say you have to pray. It does say call for the elders of the church, let them anoint with oil and the prayer of faith the, of a righteous man will availeth much, you know. You can pray and see the power of God released. 
But I said, really? He said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I just lay hands on your eye. And I took it off. I said, what do you see? And she said, it's better. I said, well, close it again. I put my hand on it. And I said, what do you see? said, it's even more better. And then I did it the third time. And when I did it the third time, she opened her eye and she said, and she could read fine print like here. She couldn't even see the word that morning. Her eye was starting to close up. But God took that cancer away and opened her eye. And she was able to see perfectly. So she was ecstatic, you know. Now if I can just figure out how to pray bags away from under your eyes, <laughs> I'll really be in business. Now, we're talking about healing broken hearts. That's what our series is going to be about on Wednesday night. Now let's look at Acts chapter 12, verses 10 through 11. It says, When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them, of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Now, we understand, you know, religion... Well, they say the, the past move is the one that persecutes the next move the most. Uh, you know, that sometimes people, they want to build a monument to what happened in their past, and it's hard for them to accept the new. And so, you know, that's why we're not worried about denominations and such. We're concerned more about that people become Christ followers and that they become discipled to be a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, my brother years ago, when I told him I was going to move from South Florida back to Poplar Bluff, I said, I just have one concern because I've been on the radio for so many years that people would leave their church to come to our church. And he kind of chuckled on the phone. And he said, Kevin, they're all God's sheep. They're not, they don't belong to anybody. They belong to God. Jesus is the great shepherd. So you can't stop people from coming to your church just because they used to attend another one. Now, you know, pastors get a little nervous when they, you know, people hop from church to church to church. But really, that's none of my uh, concern. You know, everybody's a grown-up. And you can call and ask me for advice. But unless you're a child, I'm going to tell you you're a grown-up and you have to make your own choice in what you're going to do. Uh, Tim called me today and we were talking and he said his shoulder hurt. I said, well, how about going to the doctors and see what's wrong with it? He said, but I, I, I don't think I can drive myself. I said, Do you, is your left arm working? Tim, am I telling the truth back there? Yes, okay. Well, I said, just put your right hand on the bottom of the steering wheel and drive with your left hand. You know, sometimes we limit ourselves by what we think we can or cannot do. But God, he wants to get us to that position where we can be healed enough. Now, I'm going to use a word that's probably not the right word. Normal. You know, uh, what is normal? 
you know, most normality today in the United States is some messed up families and messed up individuals. <laughs> you know, most people, you know, they say, well, you know, they came from a dysfunctional family. Well, this is a dysfunctional world. Everybody in here had somebody in your family somewhere that was dysfunctional, you know. And so you have to go through something. And sometimes you need to be healed as you're going through it before you can do anything else. But Peter, he came to himself. We need to come to ourselves, you know, as and it said, and the, sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod. Now, you may wonder, how does this relate? Well, the main thing I wanted you to get hold of there was that you do have an enemy. And it comes in various forms of people and places and organizations even that will try to hinder or stop you. And Peter, God got him out of there. You know, I mean, they'd just seen great things happen. And uh, I tell you what, I think really, let me see here. I'm going to see something. You know what, I just preached those two verses and they weren't even my main two verses to start with. It was Acts 17. You know, when you're, you're like this, they're all so good that I, I think they misread it. It might have been Zach. He's not in here, so I can blame it on him. He's with youth back there. But it says, what does uh, verse 10 and 11 say, Pastor Ken? I'll let you read these, if you would. It's not on the screen, though, is it? Okay. Nelson, give me those glasses. I got one good eye and one bad eye, and that eye is going to get better on the 20th because I'm going to get a cataract off of it. But let me see here. I can read it. In verse 10 of chapter 17, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went straight into the synagogue, or they went into the synagogue of the Jews, and these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word from all readiness, with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You see, God, he will have, if one place doesn't receive you, you know, I remember when he sent them out two by two, the 70, and what did he tell them? He said, hey, if they don't receive you, shake off the dust off your feet. You know what that is. It's rejection. Shake off the rejection. Not everybody's going to like you. I couldn't believe it when I found out some people didn't like me. You know? I thought, man, I'm such a nice guy. I can't believe anybody wouldn't like me, Nelson. How about you? You're not sure? Okay. Anyway. But... Berea, you know, that's always talking about where they really studied the word. But see, in Thessalonica, and I've been there on a trip to Albania, and then we went into Greece, me and Papa Ken Summerall and Brother Ron Kelly, we went into Greece, and we went to, they call it Thessaloniki over there. They don't call it Thessalonica. And we went and had uh, beautiful fish over there, right on the water, and it was awesome, but we really didn't get to see a lot because Papa Ken said, let's go back. So whatever he said, we did, you know, in those days. So anyhow, 
they didn't receive them very well. That's when they left and they went somewhere else. Well, see, Paul and Silas, they just had a great time in prison. I won't ask if anybody in here has ever been in prison, but if you've ever been in jail, it's not a wonderful place to be. And so they were in jail. They actually had them in the lower part of the jail in stocks, their hands and their feet. And yet Paul, he was a real trooper. And he got Silas, and they began to sing two-part harmony. And they were singing hymns and spiritual songs. And, you know, I always said they were singing the joy of the Lord. And they'd sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength, clang, clang. The joy of the Lord is my strength, clang, clang. The joy of the Lord is my strength, clang, clang, clang. And they were making noise. And the other prisoners were a little upset because, hey, they were just trying to catch a few winks in a bad situation. But then an earthquake happened. Angels released them, I believe. And then they, they came out and the jailer was going to kill himself because it's terrible if you lose your prisoners. And Paul said, don't worry, we're all here. And the jailer was so impressed, he invited him to go to his house. He led his household to the Lord. And then they came back, and then they found out that he was a Roman citizen. And so, uh-oh, they did a no-no. So they had to lead them out of town. He made them lead him out of town like a parade, you know, instead of ushering them out in the darkness of night. He made them lead them out in the daytime in front of everybody. I think that's pretty cool. I like Paul. He had a lot of guts. But he was one that believed that the word of God was the thing, the power. And you know what? The word is like a sword. It'll separate the soul and the spirit. It'll separate the bone and the marrow. It'll search out, even discern the thoughts and intents of a man's heart. And so that's why we want the Holy Spirit involved with the Word, not just any old Word, but the Word of God. You know, a lot of people, uh, I, I forget what it was, somebody said, do they believe in psychics? You know, or they ask, you know, when I, I get words of knowledge and words of wisdom, they want to know, man, you're almost like a psychic. I said, no, I'm not. It's the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about anybody. I don't go and go to a restaurant and get words about everybody all the time. I ask the Lord to turn it off. I'm there to eat, you know, unless he really pushes me. And I have written prophetic words out on a napkin and gone by somebody and laid it down and said, the Lord wants you to know this and exit the restaurant. And they probably wonder, who is that? You know, but, uh, you know, back in COVID days when you had to wear a mask, they said, could have said, who is that masked man? You know? <laughs> anyway, that, that's a corny joke. Forgive me. But here's statement number one for you. We must have a foundation of faith and practice. You can't just say you have faith and you don't do anything with it. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I believe. But then they don't ever step forward and acting upon that faith. What's the Bible say in James? Faith without works is dead. You know, there's no results when you say you have faith, but there's no work with it. 
You know, you say you have faith to pray for somebody to be healed, and the, but you don't do it. Yeah, I believe that they can be healed. Well, how about praying for them or laying hands on them, believe it? When, when uh, Brother Abel was at Cracker Barrel, him and his wife with Brother Brad Cunningham and I, and he said, I got my cousin. He wasn't able to come to the meeting, and he was in an accident uh, five years ago where they had to do surgery on his back, and he was paralyzed from the chest down and said he really wanted to come because he wanted to get touched by God. I said, well, he didn't come to the service, but the service can go to him. I said, I don't have to be in a rush whether I get back at 6 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, that's not the issue. It's that God has put this opportunity in front of us. So I said, Abel, I'll, I'll just follow you. We had to backtrack about 30 minutes towards Pensacola, and we got there, and he got come out in his wheelchair, and I felt his back. He had a scar about that long, right from the bottom of the neck down to his backbone. But he was paralyzed. Now, he could use his hands a little bit, but they were kind of like this. He couldn't bend his thumbs, and his hands, you know, he kind of was like a, a lobster, kind of how he had to use them. And so I talked to him. He had been Catholic. I said, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you're born again. That means that you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You believe that he was born of a virgin, that he was... Uh, lived and walked this earth and then he was crucified and the stripes on his back and then he was crucified and he was raised from the dead and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's there now making intercession for us. I said, do you believe that? He said, yes, I do. I said, well, say I confess Jesus Christ. He said, I confess Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't understand a lot of English but he understood that much and so... He, he believed and he confessed it. I said, okay. Well, now I'm going, because Brother Abel told me about you, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to lay my hand on you. And I believe that we are going to see something happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to get out of the wheelchair or you're going to move your big toe or what. Something is going to happen. I can be assured of that. And he said, okay. I said, can I lay my hand on you? He said, yes. I said, well, where can you not feel? He said, here down. Right there. So you know what I did? I put my hand right here underneath it, underneath that imaginary line. I said, can I put my hand here? He said, yes. So I put my hand there, and I just began to praise the Lord and glorify him and thank Jesus Christ for being the Lord and, and that he can touch this brother and I took my hand off I said what'd you feel he said it got real hot and it started to tingle I said now you told me you couldn't feel anything right yeah he said I could feel nothing there before but he said where you put your hand it was hot and it tingled I said well can I put my hand on your legs and he said sure so I put my hand on his left leg and I just left it there and praise the Lord. I said, what do you feel? He said the same thing. My leg, I could feel it was hot and it was tingling. So I put my hand on his right leg and he said, it's hot and it's tingling. 
I, I said, okay, so I put my hand right on the scar on his back where those vertebrae were that were crushed or whatever and fused that bone or rod in it or whatever, and I put my hand there. I said, did you feel anything? He said it was hot and it tingled. He said, wherever you put your hand, it got hot and it tingled. I could feel something. So I put my hand on his head. And I told him, I said, you, you know God touched you already. And then I said, Abel, give me your hand. And I grabbed it and I prayed. I said, Lord, just impart to him that gifting to lay hands and see people healed. And I said, what would you feel, Abel? He said, it got real hot. I said, put your hand on your cousin. Wherever he put his hand on him after that, it was hot and tingled. I said, so you know what? You got that gifting. I've got it because of the Holy Ghost. And I said, you come over here about once a week and lay your hands on your cousin. And I believe eventually we might just see him get up and walk one day. I'm not trying to do a show. I just laid hands. And there was a difference. So God did something. Well, God can always do something, but we must have a foundation of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So when you have faith in God, you know something's going to happen even if you haven't seen it yet. I knew something would happen, even though I hadn't seen it yet. But after I laid hands, the guy got hot. And he tingled. I'll take that any day, wouldn't you? Anyway, so foundation of faith and practice. You have to do what you say with your mouth. You believe they can be healed? Lay your hands on somebody. So we can understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, I was sharing this with y'all a week or two back, that on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind and fire, cloven tongues of fire on their heads. And they began to speak in languages that they didn't know, but the people outside understood Galileans speaking in their languages. Isn't that a miracle? Well, that's what the Holy Ghost can do. So they got filled up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He don't just want to fill you. That's bad English. Isn't it? He doesn't just want to fill you. But I like it sometimes to break the English rules. I was an English teacher by trade, you know. So, but he doesn't just want you to be filled. He wants you to overflow. He wants the Holy Spirit to spill out all around you, on everybody around you. Amen? I think all of you have the potential to see great and mighty things. You really do. So, number two, the ministry of Jesus was not just to heal bodies but to heal the inner man from their brokenness. How many know that you can't really help others sometimes until you get healed on the inside? Can I ask you a question? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just curious. How many of you have came from a broken home where your parents got divorced? Yeah, raise your hand. I want to see. Okay. That's a whole bunch. Okay. How many of you had some kind of sickness or disease or addiction in your home? My father was bipolar with a shade of schizophrenia, and he was on medication my whole life. 
from six months old. So we had some dysfunction in our home, some codependency issues, you might say. My mama was a hero, you know, because she kept the family together. She worked jobs. She had an eighth grade education. Nelson, she made sure we had clothes and that we had food on the table, and she had a smile and a hug at ready anytime. How many of you had sickness or alcoholism or anything in your home? Raise your hand. See, we all have suffered with something that impacted our lives, impacted our minds, our heart. Heart being lab, L-A-E-B, in the Hebrew, and it means the throne or the seat of your thoughts, your emotions, and your cho choice making, your decision making. That's what your heart is. It's the place where everything takes takes place. You choose what you're going to do. You know, most time things aren't accidents. It's because something happened in your home when you're a child. You're growing up. You had some deficiency in the home. You know, if you were poor, like me, I said, I'm not going to be poor when I grow up. Whatever I have to do, I'm not going to live the same life that I lived when I was a child. You know? Now, that was me talking. Now, we know God says he'd he'll bless you. You know, if you give, it'll be given unto you. We've learned how to depend on God. Now, but before I was depending on me, not to be poor. How'd that work out? You know, it doesn't always work out great. But anyway, we see that the ministry of Jesus wasn't just to heal somebody's body. He healed lots of bodies. He opened blinded eyes, deaf ears, the lame walked, and the dead were raised. And then he said, not only will you do the same works, but you'll do even greater works than these because he sends us the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So guess what? You can see things like that. That's why that lady was a doctor. Guess what? She could verify her own healing last Sunday afternoon. That's pretty cool, too, I tell you. You know, I love it. Every time it's like brand new. It's like Christmas, opening a present all over again when I see a healing like that. But he wants to heal the brokenness that we have in our lives. There's a lot of people that have problems, and Jesus was interested in them. And anyway, let's read Isaiah 61.1. I don't know how many of y'all ever went to the Pensacola Revival at Brownsville Assembly of God, but uh, they had an awesome revival, and this was the key scripture. They, they had a little gal, a little short girl, sing a song about running to the mercy seat. Yeah, it was an awesome song. I mean, give you chill bumps. People would run the altar and get saved. Yeah. But I've been in some services like that, too. It's pretty cool to just see people run the altar. Yeah. But when God heals bodies, he also begins to deliver people and heal their mind. But I'm, I'm not ready to say that just yet. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Then Luke chapter 4, he quotes this. Jesus asked for the reading 
and they had readings every day. It wasn't that he asked for this passage. It was the passage that was supposed to be read that day in the temple. Now, isn't that amazing? It wasn't just a coincidence either. He knew when to go in there and what he was going to read. But in Luke 4, 18, 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Amen. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the interesting thing about that, there is a day coming when, you know, uh, in the Old Testament version, if you read on, which I'm not going to, it talks about the vengeance of our God. But in, and I didn't read that verse that attaches to 61.1, but in the New Testament, when Jesus read it, he stopped. And he didn't read about the vengeance of our God. He was not there to judge people at that moment. Now, he will judge people when that great day comes and we all stand before the throne of God and Jesus has the right to say, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. Or he'll say, enter in, my good and faithful servant. How many want to be in that crowd? I want to go in, don't you, when the time comes. But you see, we've got to know Jesus. He wants to know us. He's not just interested in you getting healed in your body, maybe jumping up and down and running around, you know. But he does want to heal people, but he wants it to draw people to get healed on the inside, receive him and his Holy Spirit. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Is that right? So he's not here. But everybody says, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Well, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, isn't he? So who are you really asking to come into your heart? The place of your emotions, your thought life, and your decision making. What did? And I'll read this verse a little bit later. But who comes into your heart? The Holy Spirit. So when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you say come in it's the Holy Ghost that comes in and lives inside of you he is Jesus' representative now as a child we understand they sing a song come into my heart come into my heart come into my heart Lord Jesus come in today come in to stay come into my heart Lord Jesus we used to sing that when I was a child five, six years old, and we believed it. We didn't understand it all, but, you know, a child knows what's true and what's not. They have an, a real sharp, sensitive knower inside of them. Well, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We accept him. <coughs> he's the CEO of the kingdom of God. He's not just that. He's the king of kings. <coughs> Excuse me. But anyway, he says that we're to heal the brokenhearted. <coughs> I don't know why that happens to me. But I'm going to take this lozenge. 
and we're going to keep going. So you see there, I put in those notes that there is a key in the Greek. The word to heal or heal means to cure. Now this lady, on Sunday afternoon, when I laid my hands on her, received a healing. Well, guess what? It was a cure. The Holy Spirit knows how to do something. Now, otherwise, what was she going to have to have done? Probably surgery, or maybe she'd lose her eye, depending on how connected the cancer was to her eyeball. And so, it's just wonderful that the Lord healed her. And to heal meant to cure. So I believe she was cured Sunday afternoon. And she'll be able to verify it and have a glorious testimony because of it. So this is your job description. Let's look at this real quick. Actually, this is kind of an introduction to the series. So I'm not going to get as deep as we will about inner healing because we're going to get into it next week a little deeper. But the job description is this. When you have the Holy Spirit in you as a believer and you're going to minister in the Holy Spirit, number one, we're going to break that verse down, 61.1 and 4.18 in Luke. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I was a journalism and English major at Evangel University and an educational major as well. I was certified. I got the last. I was in the class that got the last lifetime certification in the state of Missouri. That just means I never have to take a test again. But they have to honor my certification. But we talked about in learning journalism, the basics, it has to do with who, what, when, where, how, to what extent. You know, that's how newspaper articles are supposed to be written with all those questions being answered. So, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the who. Who is upon me? Who's with me? It's the Spirit that is with you. The Spirit of who? The Lord. Just like that banner up there. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the who is with you in your life. Number two, He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And I put the where. You go find the poor, and there will be plenty of people to minister to. We go to Mexico, and we have started feeding programs with Brother Tino, and I dedicated the last facility that they got built. It will seat about three or 400 people, and it was packed those three nights. And we had healings, words, and all kinds of stuff happened. Had about 20, 25 pastors every night. It was an awesome time. There was a little girl that came sat next to me, little Mexican girl, cute as a bug's ear, about that tall, I don't know, about six, seven years old, and these big brown eyes, and she came and sat next to me on the seat, and I thought, well, this is nice, and she put her hand up on my shoulder. I said, oh, that's so cute, and then she looked at me, and then she reached over and patted my belly. Now, my goatee was about down to there, and it's white. She patted my belly and she looked at me and said, 
Santa Claus? I said, no, I'm not Santa Claus. I said, I am Santa Claus Primo. That means his cousin in Spanish. But that's the where, is wherever you go, basically. Because if they're not poor with money, they're poor in spirit, or they're poor in some way, poor in their emotions. They need uh, uh, to be delivered, or they need to be healed on the inside. But that's the where. Number three, he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Now this is what we're really going to get into starting next week. But that's the why. We're to heal the brokenhearted. If they don't get healed of their broken hearts, they'll never do anything in the ministry. They probably won't even come to church regularly. You see, if they're not healed and they're wounded on the inside, then the enemy comes and attacks their mind or their emotions. I mean, I've known people go into the grocery store and see somebody that looks like their ex-husband. And man, they just their mood changes instantly. And they're thinking, that scoundrel, he shouldn't even be allowed to live. You know, and they got a bad attitude that day. See, we can't let people impact us that way, but... You can't help it if you got a wound inside. It needs to be healed. You know what? When you get a wound healed, what is it? It's a scar. All a scar should do is remind you of what it was. But it doesn't hurt anymore if it's been healed and it's just a scar. You know, a lot of people say, you know, memories. Well, you know, memories can be bad. But if you've been healed from those memories, then they're just a scar. They're not a wound anymore. But we've got to get people out of their woundedness to where they might have a scar, but it's just a reminder. Don't go that way again. Don't drive off into that ditch. Don't let yourself get hoodwinked another time if it was in a relationship or something. Number four, he has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. Now that, the brokenhearted was the why, so we can get people healed. And then this, deliverance, is the how. They got to be delivered. Even the ones that are brokenhearted sometimes need deliverance. And I've seen many people delivered. And I don't go, I don't advertise demon buster or demon chaser. You know, my brother used to direct a teen challenge two different places in his early years of ministry. And one was in North Carolina, one was in Pensacola. And I'm, I'm thinking it was in North Carolina. He had about 20 guys, maybe, or 15 in his center, which is kind of like crossroads. Now, I pray y'all don't ever have to see this, but there was a young man that was a Native American Indian and he had had a lot of trouble and he levitated off his bed one night. I mean, he was like, ooh, do, 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 do. He was up in the air. Every guy in that room left. They run downstairs. They knocked on my brother's door and said, so-and-so, he's up in the air. He's off the bed. He said, what? 
She said, yeah, he's up in the air. So he went up there, and this Indian boy was up in the air. He wasn't laying on the bed. And my brother went in there. He was the authority in that house. See, you've got to understand, when you're healed and God called you, then you have authority. And so he said, come down in the name of Jesus right now. And that boy fell right on the bed. You know, and then they had to deal with getting deliverance for him. It's probably something in his ancestry, you know, where they would, you know, pray to these other spirits, the great spirit of the sky or whatever. Anyway, it, it was something. You know, a friend of mine told me about somebody he knew that was a missionary in Haiti one time. I like this story. And the missionary went there, and he didn't really know what to expect totally. And so he got a, a knock on the door, and somebody from the village wanted him to come over, and he went in. And there was this boy about 10 or 11 years old, and he was squatting like a baseball catcher. And he just looked with these evil eyes at the missionary when he walked in. And he started to jump around and howl and screech and scream. And the missionary tried to pray and say, stop that or whatever. And the boy looked at him and the spirit spoke through him, not in Creole or whatever they speak there, but he, it spoke in English. Did you know demons know all these languages? That amazed me. I never had a problem casting out demons in Mexico, and I couldn't speak fluent Spanish, so I cast them out in English. They always knew it. Well, that, that boy looked at him and said, You're too full. Because he had, kind of like me, he had a good bread basket. And so he felt shame. He turned around and went back to his little house. And he was just ashamed, Rico. And he got down on his knees and began to pray and seek God. He did not leave his bedroom for like three days. He stayed on his face, praying, crying out to God, repenting of anything that he could remember to repent of. And finally he was done. And he came out. He didn't say hello to anybody. He went out in the street, walked down to where that boy was in that house. And he was been hopping, terrorizing all the people and the neighbors and everything. And that missionary walked in there, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of that boy. And I mean, he yelled, and those spirits left him, and then he fell limp on the floor. And then he led him to Jesus. You see, it's a state of the heart and the mind as to what kind of effectiveness that you can have. It's really a choice. Are you willing? Are you willing to let God put his hand on your life? Are you willing to open up to somebody that you can trust? And if you need deliverance, let them pray for you and cast something out of you if that's what it is. You know, like I said, I didn't ever advertise it, but it seemed like sometimes I just go someplace and the, they show up. And then I don't have a choice. It's either deliver them or you might be running down the street naked like the sons of Sceva. 
you know, in the New Testament, you know. I don't want to be that way. But your authority is in your relationship with who you serve. Are you a son or daughter of the Lord? That's what he wants you to be. Of course, Paul wrote in Galatians that, you know, they, they don't just give everybody everything that sons get when they get older. They train them with the servants. They need to learn the business. They need to learn how to act, how to function. So if they're children in the house, they learn with the servants. They don't go out and, oh, I'm, I'm the son of the owner. You go do this for me. You go do that. No, they have to run errands and have to become like a servant until they grow into full-blown sonship or child, you know, of the kingdom. It's not you already, you don't have to earn salvation, but you do have to earn your way in the kingdom to a degree as to what you're going to do. Now, so that's the how, through deliverance. People need to be delivered, Nelson. They need to be set free. And so then he said, he has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. That's the how. And then five, he has anointed me to recover sight to the blind. That's the what? Sight to the blind. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you it's a fact. At one point, I was ready to quit the ministry because every time I go to Mexico, there'd be blind people come, and I'd pray for them, and their eyes would never be open. And I felt like a flunky. And I'd preached all over the, not all over the world, but many countries around the world. And I finally said, Lord, I'm not going back unless... If you put a blind person in front of me, if they're not healed. And that's when that little nine-year-old girl came with her family. Oh, oh my goodness, you know. It, it was a test. I had no feeling. I didn't even know if I had faith. I just prayed. In the name of Jesus, and she was healed. She saw, 20 years later, in a prayer breakfast of pastors. I told that story, and she, this girl raised her hand in the very back of the room. And I said, to Isaac, my translator, I said, what she want? And he said, she's saying she is that girl. She was the one that was healed. And her dad was Catholic and not a very good one. He became a leader, then associate pastor, then they sent him to San Luis Potosi from Guadalajara to be a pastor. She was running a Christian radio station. It's awesome what God does. He does it for a reason. He heals the outside so he can get to the inside so that you can be delivered and all the giftings in your life can come forth. Hallelujah. So he recovers sight to the blind. Sometimes it's physically first, but sometimes it's to see in the spiritual. You know, that's why in the Holy Spirit sometimes he shows me things. I see pictures. I see sometimes open eye visions, but most of the time they're in my mind when I start praying for somebody. Like when I prayed over you guys, I saw the number three. And, and then I thought I saw three months. So something about three months. Well, did you already put your house on the market? Well, as soon as you put it on the market, three months it'll be sold. You'll see a 
if I hear from the Lord. If it doesn't, if it's three months and ten days, well, like horseshoes and hand grenades. That was close enough. Hmm. I don't know three months from when, but probably to where people know it's for sale. Might not even go on the market. My daughter Alicia is closing on another house in about, I don't know, a week from Thursday? A week from tomorrow. It's a lot bigger house than they had because they know a realtor, and the realtor told her, said, can I look at your house? It was like 1,900 square feet. And he said, you know, I know somebody might like this. It didn't even go on the market. He, he sold it without a sign in the yard. Well, it did go on the market, didn't it? Because that deal fell through. So then he put it on the market, and it sold within days. Well, then there was one that hadn't gone on the market yet, and that's the one they bought. So it can happen without a real estate company. Sister Virginia would like it to be Century 21. Because <laughs> that's where she works. But anyway, he has anointed us to recover sight to the blind. To people that don't know what's going on. They need to know. Sometimes a prophetic word is good. When I told Brother Jimmy, I said, I see a van, a bigger van. And then I said, do you all have a good van or a bad one in there? What did you guys say? Bad. You know, they said, no, it's not good. And now they got a good van. Did you drive it tonight? One. Oh. Well, some, you know, I need to start driving that, bringing these guys in the good one. Anyway, he's re anointed us to recover sight. All right, number six. He has anointed me to set at liberty them that are bruised. You ever have somebody say something to you when you're a kid? You're just going to be like your father. And maybe your father was an alcoholic. Maybe he never, you know, I actually was bruised. I was afraid I was going to be like my father and have to be a mental patient or something if I became a preacher. My dad was an awesome preacher and singer. You know what? That didn't keep him from getting sick. And we wonder what could happen with more modern medicine today, but, you know, our, I can't say who's going to be healed completely who's going to be delivered somehow and why some things hang on to some and it doesn't hang on to others but I had a fear I don't want to end up like my dad so I don't want to be a preacher I wanted to be a college basketball coach I thought this would be dandy you know I love basketball but you know what that wasn't God's plan as soon as I became a high school basketball coach and I went to a good church, I started, you know, the river flows where there's the least resistance. And I started getting invited to speak at youth events and such. Before you know it, I was preaching all the time. I said, I'm not even a preacher. But God opened the door. So you go. But there are people who are bruised. You know, it's, it's a need to heal. If you're a football player and you get hit real hard several times the same place, sometimes they get a helmet in their ribs and they got cracked ribs 
They can't play next week because they're bruised. They're wounded. God wants people to be healed from being bruised. Amen? That's to what extent. So there you go. Now you can be a good spiritual journalist. John 14 and 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you how long? Forever. He's never going to leave you. The Word says he'll never forsake you. You might choose wrong. You might make some mistakes. But if you turn to God, he's there. If you go up on the mountain, he's there. You go down in the valley, he's there. You go through the ringer, he's there on the other side. No matter what you've got to go through, Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is there. Hallelujah. Man, somebody ought to say amen. Man, pastor, that was good preaching right there. Good teaching. So here's three quick keys. I'm almost done. Number one, the Holy Spirit's available to be our help. He's your help in your time of need. He's as near as the word that's in your mouth. I love to speak the word of God because it's more powerful than my thoughts. The second thing, the Holy Spirit will teach us, so don't fear. You may not know what you're doing, but he will teach you. That little girl fell out in the spirit when the pastor prayed for her when I was associate up by St. Louis. She's a little four foot eleven gal. She had on a short top and real tight pants. My wife was down there praying with her. And I was standing over on the side, very tired because I stayed up too late the night before. I was like 20, 28 years old, something like that, or 27. And my friend had come over. We played video games and chatted way into the night. And so that Sunday night, I was just ready to go out and eat Pantera's pizza, you know, and get in bed. But the pastor was up on the stage leading everybody in praise or prayer. He looked at me and he said, I said, oh, Lord, man, she's manifesting. And I went over there. She had her head back like a football helmet drill. And I grabbed the back of her head and held it out. I was afraid she was going to break her head off her neck. And my wife was on one side. Pastor's wife was on the other. I started trying to cast them demons out. And they laughed at me, and she spit in my face. I said, this is really going well, isn't it? <laughs> this was not my night. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will teach you. I said, Holy Spirit, what I do in my mind? I was looking at this girl thinking, oh my God, this is bad. Holy Spirit, help me. And I heard in my mind, he said, bind up the mocking and the lying spirit because it wouldn't tell me who was in there. And so I said that in the name of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, the gal could not talk. Didn't spit at me couldn't talk now when she looked at me and you may believe it or not but her eyes went like snake eyes I mean you talk about spooky stuff I was young in the ministry I was ready to run you know but I couldn't run I'm one of the pastors I, I've got to do this and so I said Holy Spirit what do I do now he said tell the controlling spirit that if it doesn't give you his name by the time you count to five you're going to curse it to a dry place spirits don't want to go to a dry place the only way they can act out is in people 
And people are what, 75% water, H2O, something like that. Two-thirds is 75%. Your body's made up of water, Nelson. And so, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to count to five, and you better give me your name. Because if not, I'm going to curse you to a dry place by the authority of Jesus Christ. I said, one, I got to four, and you know what? That thing gave me some ugly name. I called that thing by the name, and it left her so fast. And then she puked, and then we wiped her off. And then, I, I just had to tell you, that's what happened. Some dream stuff. I, I shouldn't even tell you what that was. Anyway, it was bad. And I said, all right, confess Jesus. And she said the sinner's prayer. I prayed for her, received the Holy Spirit, and she began to speak in other tongues. And then she sat up and said, what happened to me? She didn't even know. That thing had taken over. That's like people blacking out. I won't ask anybody in here if you ever had a blackout and you ended up somewhere you didn't know how you got there. Well, when you're on drugs, heavy drugs, that stuff can happen. There's a devil behind it that wants to destroy you. But you know what? If you got Jesus Christ, he don't have no more hold on you. Hallelujah. Anyway, so he helps us with people and their wounds. That young lady was dancing as a stripper, a pole dancer, in a, in a place in Fenton, Missouri, south of St. Louis. She lived on the, during the week with a lesbian, and she was stripping. On the weekend, she lived with a man old enough to be her grandpa, and he was a sugar daddy. Okay, so she had opened many doors to the devil. But you know what? She came to church because she knew she couldn't keep living that way. And God delivered her and touched her. Romans 8, 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, the Holy Spirit searches the heart. And he looks for those areas that need to be changed. And if you'll let him, he will change your heart. He'll deliver you from those ditches of, in your mind. And you don't have to stay the same. Amen? Holy Spirit is the cure. Amen. And he is the healer. Okay. Stand up with me. I'll ask a quick question. And I'm not going to call you to the front tonight. So you can go, oh. But I'm going to ask a question. Is there anybody here tonight that you have bruises or wounds on the inside and you know it? Just raise your hand. I had them. I had to have help. Del Sides helped me years ago when he prayed for me. All right. Everybody raise both hands and repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I invite the Holy Spirit to help me to be delivered from all captivity. Heal me from all my wounds and pick me up and make me whole 
so that I can function for myself, for my family, and for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a clap off him. Hallelujah. All right. Well, God bless you. Tell Jimmy I missed him tonight. And uh, look forward to seeing him with you guys next time. God bless you. If you want to, make yourself friendly with Dave and Mary and Frida. Love you, buddy. All right, my friend. God bless you, brother. Bless you. Amen. I have a good time when you guys come. Y'all stir me up. I'm Joshua Lewis. Good to meet you, brother. Yeah, good to meet you.